Hello, everybody. This is Chet Czar. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I, I forgot to put the date on last time. I said I was going to start putting the date on. It's March 30th today, 2021, right? Yeah, 2021. Um, well, today, oh, I got the dog snoring again. Baby girl came in to hang out with me. Today's episode is a really, really, really good one with a really, really, really amazing guest, the legendary Ron English. That's right, Ron English. Ron English has been doing amazing work since probably before a lot of you were born. And uh, he was kind enough to take time out in his busy schedule because the dude produces an ungodly amount of work and uh, spoke to me on here. It was really great. Really had a great time. Really interesting, funny dude and um, really cool and a great artist. So I am very psyched to bring you this, this episode today. Very excited. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. This is episode 199. I'm a mess. I'm really bad at this. Episode 199. March 30th, 2021. That's how I should have said at the beginning. Anyway, um, dog is really snoring loud. Anyway, um, so yes, great, great interview, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So what's been going on with me, you might be wondering. Well... Further revisions on the dystopia book, uh, but getting very close. I know I've been saying that, but it really is getting closer all the time, and it looks so, so good. I'm so excited about it. I'm back to being excited about it and um, not totally stressed about it at this point because everything looks so good, and it's so close that you can kind of see, you know, you can see the book, basically. I, I I can see it now. I can go through it, read it. It's just corrections here and there, pictures, making sure the pictures are all in the right places. But the layout's done. So that's exciting. That's, that's you know, huge for me. Um, also been doing uh, some uh, artwork for uh, a painting for a show at Copro called Lucid Dreaming, curated by Beautiful Bazaar, which is pretty cool. It's a really big show with a bunch of really amazing artists and i'm doing a piece for that using glow in the dark oil paint for the first time which is um interesting it's not really something i I found a perfect use for it because it's really difficult to paint with it does not paint well it's too grainy but i found the perfect use for it so i've been doing that i got a doing a small piece for the Hive Galleries, is it their 18-year anniversary? That seems too too old. 18 years? Could it be? No. That can't be. It can't be the 18-year anniversary. Is it? Um, let's see. Let me look it up. Well, it's not the 18-year anniversary, but it's the 16-year anniversary, which is still crazy. I can't believe it. Man, that's insane. Anyway, I'm doing a little piece for that. 
Um, also doing studies for my Patreon people because if you join at the if you have a year of patronage at the collector level or mentorship level, you get a free study after a year for every year. So I'm doing a bunch of those studies. So doing a lot of painting, a lot of time lapses, putting all that stuff on my Patreon. If you want to join, that's patreon.com slash chetzar. And I think that's about it. It's feeling good to be getting back to, to paint again. But doing a lot of a lot of painting. Feels good. That's when I'm my happiest when I'm painting. Um, okay, so you know the Dark Art Society. We have a Patreon as well, and you can go there at uh, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And right now I'm going to read you new subscribers. If you donate for just a dollar, you'll, you'll get your name read on the show when you join. And all kinds of other benefits, especially the Facebook group, which is the only good thing about Facebook, is the Dark Art Society cooperative group that you get for joining the Patreon. Okay, we've only got two new subscribers this week thank you rachel Britton. rachel's an excellent artist and thank you roxy lay appreciate your support um i don't know if roxy's an artist but i know rachel so anyway thank you both for supporting the podcast couldn't do it without you and uh, very much appreciated. I'm trying to think if anything else is going on. Well, nobody cares anyway. I don't think anybody really. I think most people just skip through this part anyway. I don't think it's that interesting. Oh, I know. Uh, I'll do another um, uh, synesthesia word of the week. So let me pick a good one. Some are better than others. You know, like... Uh, Okay, how about Tom? I'm just going to randomly pick Tom. Tom is a bologna sandwich with mustard on white bread. That's what Tom tastes like. That's what the name Tom tastes like. Okay, there you go. Let's get on with the interview. That's what you all want to hear anyway. So thanks for listening, and uh, here we go with the amazing, the legendary Ron English. Hello, Ron. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Are you enjoying it. the uh, the isolation of COVID? Or yeah, it's been. <laughs> I, I feel bad because it's been so. Uh, aside from the people dying and people getting sick and people losing loved ones, it's been. I've I've been enjoying the isolation for sure. Huh? It's yeah, my, I guess artists are uh, they're good at being alone, right? Yeah, we're suited for it. I I, I felt like you know I'm kind of built for this. Um, it sounds, huh. sounds weird to say because, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want people getting sick or dying. It's not, not worth right. it in that way, but, um, but it's been, you know, I, nothing's really changed for me. It's re- it's very huh. strange. Very strange. Um, I think you go out, more, you go out more uh, than I do. <laughs> your normal routine. Um, I basically, you know, I do my business stuff in the first half of the day and then I paint in the second half of the day in my studio. So it's all done in my house. 
So I don't even have to leave the house. So the painting's like a reward for working hard at the business part. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm so excited to have you on the show, man. I've been an admirer of yours for so long and um, you've always been really good to me. And, uh, back, you know, back in the day when you didn't need to be. So I, I really appreciate that. But, um, I, I mean, I, I th- I'm sure I heard I've... Except when I'm uh, crashing one of your events, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> that was fine. I remember that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was fine. I was just saying it. The only, <laughs> the only reason I said anything was because all these other people started gathering around and they didn't pay for the seminar. And I was like, oh. I was feeling bad for the people that uh paid for it like they paid i don't know 100 bucks or 150 bucks and then it's like all these other people because they didn't have it blocked off but you are uh, you are always welcome to anything i do so oh well by the way that was a weird weekend it was on um oh, man. Uh, what was the name of the ship the queen mary or something or? yeah yeah that was a and um but it was also show. super bad badly promoted oh, and terrible. so we were with all these uh we were we were almost alone on that ship right yeah Fucking Jello Biafra was there DJing, and there was nobody, yeah. nobody in the audience. Like not one person in the audience. It was crazy. But but you know, at first I was kind of like, oh fuck, you know, it's like I come all the way out of the country and you can't even like promote it. And I'm just gonna. Right. But then I, Jesus Christ, I'm with all my favorite artists right. on the boat, and, and, and with no fans to bother us. It's like uh, <laughs> actually, this is a good thing. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's true. I got to hang out with you a bit and talk to you, and I got to hang out and talk with Jello a bit. It was kind of cool yeah, in that it's like way. Four in the morning doing shots with uh, Michael Husser. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Husser was there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Right, <laughs> so anyway, I've learned not to complain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I, I, you know, the first time I, 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 I'm sure I first saw your work probably in the nineties in the early nineties, if not the late eighties, maybe even, but, um, hmm. I didn't, uh, uh, realize, you know, how, how much of a, a pioneer you were until I saw your documentary in early two thousands, I guess it was. Um, huh. yeah. and, uh, and it, it it so impressed me. I, you know what I think it was? I think I think I was, I don't know. I'm like a documentary freak, so that was one of the documentaries I watched. I've been into documentaries, you know, for a long time now. But uh, I could not believe the shit you were doing. <laughs> it was like, especially after meeting you, it's like you're so mellow and cool and nice. And it was like the stuff you were doing is stuff that I would never have the balls to do. And it's like you were completely fearless doing all this political um street oh, art well, it was amazing you know, I, went to, I went to jail a lot so. i know that's what i'm saying and you were like well, I didn't even seem afraid of it uh, <laughs> stealing a car oh really I'm, it's a little thug you know oh i had no idea you don't seem thuggish at all well no but, but a thug can be a very uh, sweet mellow guy but if you grow up in, in a, a family that you know like nobody went to college you know my, my uncles were meth dealers it's it's like <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like that. That's the 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 life. You know, you don't know there's this other life. Do you right. know what I mean? So yeah. You try to find your way in that life. You know. No, I fantasized about being an artist, but uh, I had no concept of how one did that. You know. Were you into art when you were a little kid and everything, or when did you oh, get I'm, interested? Yeah, yeah. And and the weird thing is, you're always um, you're always kind of weirdly who you're gonna be. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I remember um. Like I had to give a little talk about, you know, they, they were trying to show me Jackson Pollock and I'm like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
in high school. And so then I had to like give a little talk about Jackson Pollock. And then and I realized the other kids weren't going to really dig him either. You know, so uh, I said, you know, actually what he does is he does these uh, photo real estate uh, paintings. So like this particular one here, um, Blue Poles. Well, that started out first. He painted the Last Supper, like photo realistic, you know, Renaissance style. And then he slowly kind of just keeps adding more and more layers until it just becomes completely destroyed into nothing, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, and they're like, wow, that's fucking really interesting. <laughs> and they liked it more because they, they kept thinking, you know, somehow that thing is, is, is the last supper, but you know, it's like it's so far away from it now. I can't see it, but it's cool. I know that it's under there, you know? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that, uh, I, I've, I felt the same way as a kid too. I never, um, I never got into it. I never got into expressionism or anything i was i was all about i don't know it had it had to look like something kind of real for me oh to God. appreciate it yeah yeah like i kind of like um you know you, you know i don't know like artists are weird because you just kind of go off on weird tangents and and, and kind of weird hmm. you know, so you think something and and it's not like being a scientist you don't really have to prove like your weird thing <laughs> but so like at one point i thought you know shit you know like all these people who um do conceptual art are from the upper classes because I don't think that people from the lower classes do that. But I, I think there's like a class system that that maybe people don't acknowledge. It was kind of one of my uh, theses about America. And in the, the whole project they did, you know, Delusionville is kind of about class. Mm. But, but anyway, so, you know, I don't really have any way to prove it. But then I get invited to this college in Philadelphia and, you know, I'm going to talk to all the graduate students and give a lecture and, you know, the normal stuff that you do. And so uh, I was saying, you know, well, I'm just going to ask them all, you know, the ones that are conceptual. I'm going to ask them, are you from an upper class background or, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, <laughs> so my wife came with me because she was kind of interested to see, like, how that all kind of played out, too. And and boy, you know, one, one, you know, guy that's like painting photorealistic. I'm like, you know, like I see you're painting a tree and man, it looks just fucking like a tree, you know, but uh, nature kind of does a better job of making a tree. I don't know if you know that or not. But right. I mean, do you ever think about doing like an abs or like go wrap a tree or something or, you know, do something, you know, away from just this photorealism thing? And uh, and he was like, oh no, my grandfather would disown me. It's like it would just break his heart if if I just you know gave up that super skill set. You oh know, wow, something like that. And I did realize that yeah, that, that that there is a prejudice against that in in the lower classes. And so like you never, I, I mean, didn't Iggy Pop say you can't make art till your parents are dead? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was always kind of an interesting thing. I think it's harder to be in that kind of conceptual world if you're from the lower classes because they so covet. The, the weird trick of being able to render things, which, right. which you know, I would say, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that everybody that goes to art school can draw, but mo- they teach you and they drill you through that stuff. And it's, you know, you, it, most people come out. I mean, Jeff Koons can draw. I mean, maybe he's not, you know, a great draftsman or anything, but we're all at a level that we can impress our, you know, high school friends. Right, you know right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like, what else are you, what else are you trying to say besides I can draw, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But right. Was, right. Interesting thing about that was, um, so now we're going to the um, and my my wife never went to you know art school so art art school is a fucking weird place you know mm-hmm. there was this uh, movie called Art School Confidential and then my wife said that's not realistic and I'm like why is that not realistic and she says well the, the, somebody got killed I I know people don't get killed in art school and it's like well actually somebody in my art school got killed because <laughs> some of these people are fucking out to lunch and they don't really know how to deal with real life <laughs> and they made themselves vulnerable and some fucked up asshole killed her you know wow but um. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going off track for a minute. So, like, we're going studio to studio. And um, I don't know if you remember. I mean, you're a California guy. You know, like, Mike Kelly is, like, the god of all art of California, right? Who? You know what I'm talking about, right? Mike Kelly. My, oh, yeah, Mike Kelly. Yeah. 
Yeah, the guy that wipes his ass with stuffed animals or whatever. Right, yeah. um, <laughs> just, you know, like everybody I know that's in the legit art world just, you know, urinates their pants when you say his name. You know uh. what I mean? They, just, they almost feel like you have to speak it in soft reverence. Like like Christians in the South speak of Jesus. It's like, you better be careful when you talk about him because he's a deity, you know? And it's right. like, you know, I'm like, you kidding me? But anyway, so this poor girl, you know, she's got like stuffed animals nailed to the wall and she's taken some of her feces and smeared it on the wall. And she's kind of <laughs> cowering in the corner, kind of trembling a little bit. And, and I, I'm like, wow, it's like, you must be really into Mike Kelly. You're really on the cutting edge. The teachers must fucking love you, you know? <laughs> Who's Mike Kelly? And then my wife is just sitting there. And, you know, in an art school, you're trained to like, if, if somebody comes in and shoots everybody with a machine gun, you go, yeah, I, I think I think they should have put a muffler on this, the, the machine gun. It would have been more more conceptually right. interesting. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. <laughs> you know? But we're trained to be like that. And then, then my wife is just like, this is fucked up. This is fucked up. And she went and got like the administrator and she came down there. You get, you get, you call the fucking girl's mother right now. That girl needs help. She doesn't need to be praised for a fucking avant-garde art. She's mentally ill and she needs help right now. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I just thought she was like super avant-garde and cool and edgy. <laughs> what the fuck? But you're probably right. She's probably really needs some help. And that, that shit ain't art. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's therapy maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I'm always suspicious of that kind of stuff only because I don't know, to me, it's like, I can't understand seeing something like that or seeing something like, you know, Paul Kelly or, or, uh, uh, any of these, any of these conceptual artists and going like, and seeing it and having that feeling like, Oh man, it's so fucking good. Like when I hear bands or I see artists that I think are great, that touch mm-hmm. that really touch me. You just you get the feeling, and you're like, "Fuck, I want to do yeah. that. I want to do something like that." And I can't. I mean, it's possible, I suppose, but I just cannot imagine seeing like a pair of you know a pile of dirty underwear in a in a, in a museum and being like, "Holy shit, I got to do something like that." It's giving me the feeling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know. I, I was a teacher. My my um my neighbor used to be the director of the Whitney. Now he's, I guess he's the head guy at the SBA and every, you know, we'd go for walks in the morning. He was like, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta teach. You gotta teach. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking teach. And I, and I said, no, you, it'll, it's a great gig. And well, you know, anyway, so I ended up doing it like for a semester. And then there's this one guy and, and you know, we're all kind of reviewing the the work of all the graduate students. And, and this guy just basically dumped, went and got a garbage can and dumped it on the studio floor. Right. And man, they were just going on and on and on about it, you know, like <laughs> a and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Is that fucking file of, pile of trash, you know, the pinnacle of Western civilization? Is this like after all these years of having scientists and studying <laughs> things, getting over things and, and, and learning, you know, how to do things? And, and then, then the a culmination is that is a guy just dumps a cra- trash can on the floor, you know, and right. it's it's better than the goddamn Eiffel Tower. <laughs> what was their answer? <laughs> they said, oh, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> But they've been teachers for a long time. They were like, just shut up, you know, give him an A, give him an F. We don't give a song. <laughs> yeah, there was another guy that was obviously psychotic. And I'm like, well, I hope we're going to flunk him because, I mean, he was just doing these things where he'd, you know, paint naked women and slash it up with a knife and shit. And you're uh. like, this guy has serious mental illness. Right. He's probably going to kill somebody. As a matter of fact, when I went to do his last critique, I said, first, I want to know, are you going to kill me? And he goes, what? <laughs> And I said, are you going to fucking kill me? Am I, am I in danger from you? And he goes, I'm not going to kill you, man. And I'm like, are you going to kill anybody else? Because I'm okay with you killing other people, but, but not me, man. Come on. Anyway, I don't know. 
like an art school. Yeah, that's. Uh, I never went to art school, so uh, I, I I kind of wish I had. Um, but I, I I just jumped in the film business as soon as I got out of out of school because I'd been sort of prepping myself for for makeup effects. Um, huh. But that you know this this reminds me a little bit of uh, you know Paul McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I actually worked for him. I think for like a year. And it wasn't that long ago. Well, maybe it's like 10 years ago. And um, I was thinking about, you know, the stuff he does is is kind of along those lines, highly conceptual. And uh, his stuff is very theatric, though. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. It's super theatrical, really transgressive and weird as fuck. But, um, you know, he has a, a makeup effects shop, like the hugest makeup effects sh- type shop where he's making props. He's got a whole like people from the effects business working for him that I used to work with at Rick Baker's doing like, you know, stuff for planet of the apes and shit. And, um, <clears throat> I remember thinking, you know, I had a, I was working with a friend of mine who was really so against it, you know, like this is an art, this is bullshit. Um, and it got it did get me thinking. It's like I was talking to the guy who hired me, and he was like, "You know what? What Paul's doing is actually it's cool because he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants, and if this mm-hmm. is what he's into." And and it got me thinking. Okay, if artists are kind of like, if artists are these um, kind of antenna, and they're sort mm-hmm. of picking up on the culture around them, and they're kind of it's going through their filter, and they're just putting out what they're feeling. It's like modern art, kind of in a way, is a really pretty good representation of how fucked up everything is, in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's <laughs> stupid and in- inane and pointless, and you know every bad thing you could think of about some kind of piece of crappy conceptual art. It's like that's kind of America. I can kind of see that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. I, and also, you know, I'm I'm super impressed with those guys just as, you know, um because you know what it takes to 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 well, because their work takes a lot of money to Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah, obviously the work's very impressive, but it's also like creating uh, the ability to make that work is fucking impressive. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. He had a, a Russian billionaire. And it's, the, the, it's like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. He never touched that piece, but right. you know what? He will that piece into existence. <laughs> yeah. and that piece is, I mean, yeah, maybe it's kitschy, but it's, it's, it's amazing. That's you know, a, it's amazing in the presence of one of those balloon animals. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It, like, he has to come up with a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, that ain't easy. It ain't easy. I mean, I feel like half my life, I'm just trying to figure out how to get money. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's kind of impressive to come up with that much money for a giant balloon animal on top of everything. It's not like you're just making some great piece of art. It's like you're making a giant shiny balloon animal. It's almost like the art is in raising the money in some weird way. in some kind of high yeah, concept that way. Was a, uh, it was a lifetime process to be, get to that place. But, uh, right. No, I mean first he um, first he actually made them out of extra balloons. And, oh, really? Um, and, yeah. So like he was weirdly he was uh, when I was first kind of aware of you know the '80s art world and the Keith Haring and all stuff that was going on. Well, I was I was still down in Texas, so I was just trying to. I kind of wanted to get a graduate degree before I went because I thought that meant something, which it means nothing. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know. But uh, uh, so yeah, I was really you know heavily into the uh, New York scene, and he was you know he was in shows with Ronnie Catrone and Keith Haring and whatever. I mean, he was part of that scene. He was getting group shows, and he was getting—he's sort of getting ignored, not ignored, maybe. Um, 
But, you know, maybe his stuff wasn't, you know, maybe you can't just make the balloon animal out of a balloon. Maybe we have to make it out of of fiberglass or steel or something to make it, you know, have the full impact. But, yeah, then some guy said, one of his friends says, look, you're super charismatic. You should go down to Wall Street, you know. And, and, uh, you know, you can there was a lot of money getting made then. And, you know. And, and and it's just like now with the NFT thing or whatever, but mm-hmm. but a lot, lot, lot or the, uh, the the Bitcoin, but a lot of it, you know, the energy that creates these things because money's fake and art's fake and everything's fake, but you know, it's a lot of the uh, the energy that it takes to make it is is this kind of intellectual energy or this kind of super positivity that that, right. that makes that creates the will to to make this happen, and he and he had that, and so he was able to go um, raise money down that down on Wall Street, so now he had a little money in his pocket, so he could kind of come at the art world from a different direction. So, hmm. but it was weird. I remember his uh, first show at uh, International with Monument in East Village, and East Village was really like a bunch of kids, you know, being expressionist. And it, I mean, like they had vodka at the openings, not wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, he was making this big crazy art, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, and then then he just does this thing that's where he just fabricated everything, and it was just like cast of. Uh, I don't know, gin bottles or whatever, just, but it was super slick and hmm. different. And, you know, and, and it just, everybody noticed that show because it was, there's 200 galleries. And then the 201st gallery international with monument has a show that doesn't make any sense, you know, in the context of what was going on. Wow. So, so, so yeah, automatically we're just going, what, who the fuck is this? Wow. <laughs> you know? Interesting. Basically this guy's the future because then, you know, the way his, his way of making art became the way, now, I remember like an uh, article in a uh, New, New, New York magazine, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a page and it says, you know, the New York art scene or whatever, what's hot, what's not. Mm-hmm. And what's hot is a picture of a Jeff Koons bunny. Mm-hmm. And what's not was a picture of my friend Rick Prohl. <laughs> with oh, <a> no. super <laughs> <laughs> The epitome of uh, um, East Village art, you know, oh, the man. really janky kind of uh, neo-expressionist, very German <laughs> expressionist looking stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I, feel- I mean, th- thankfully, I mean, you know, I think he... Rick kind of got kicked to the curb and wandered the desert for a while. But, uh, I mean, now, I, now museums are, you know, having big shows of his work and, and I think that he's been rediscovered, but he had to kind of, you know, he was forced to wander the desert for right. a while. Right. <laughs> because you don't like that kind of shit anymore. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, I've always felt like the kind of, I don't know, I, you're kind of, you're in the, your upper echelon blue chip world now but as far as like the kind of uh i don't know i don't know what they call it now pop surrealism and lowbrow and whatever they call it it's like that that whole thing was sort of a reaction to expressionism and and conceptual art and it's almost like craft craft of something that was missing from artwork so you know kids in the 70s when i grew up were like didn't relate to it it's like it wasn't cool because it was our parents' art, you know. And we were into like Frazetta and shit and comic books, and, it, and it's sort of that that craft element of it. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I, I, I think I was part of that movement. I yeah, you, yeah, definitely. You've you, you've gone beyond <laughs> it though. I'm just saying. You're asking but- <laughs> Gary Basement, it's like, can I be a part of your movement? He goes, got to move to LA. Like, oh, I'll be the only one from New York. Yeah, he's a. <laughs> I remember asking Mark Wright, and it's like, is Gary Baseman the leader of the movement? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sorry. 
<laughs> That's pretty. I, I I don't know. I thought it was a bunch of illustrators. I because yeah. I did talk to people and they said, yeah, I've been an illustrator, and I you know even Bryden had been an illustrator. Mm-hmm. And then that whole thing dried up, you know, because computers it made it easier. You know, your girlfriend could do your album cover. You didn't need to have Mark Ryden paint it or whatever. Right. But uh, but uh. Yeah, so I think that they were that a lot of people thought, well, fuck, let's go over to the art world. You know, it looks easy enough. You know, <laughs> a little <laughs> like did they that. know. But, but at the same time, you know, that movement um, created its own galleries, its own collectors. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's super impressive if you think about it, mm-hmm. because it, it was actually never allowed into the proper art world. But in a way, it was, um, it, 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 it was the last legitimate art movement, in my opinion, hmm. because it was created by the artist. You know, and they're all in a dialogue with each other. I mean, to the, you know, they're actually, right. they know each other, hanging out with each other, you know, in in the traditional way that art movements have happened. It mm-hmm. wasn't a manufactured by art dealer, art movement. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, everybody was painting, suddenly everybody's painting Betty Pace, but they're all doing that because they really are all together. So, right, and then right. later, you know, I think street art was, uh, I mean, that's not an art movement. That's a way of disseminating your art. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, if if uh, Jackson Pollock decides to splash the stuff, you know, not on a canvas, but you know, on a wall, then it, he's a street artist, you know. Right, right. And so, if Mark Ryden decided to paint on the wall too, he's a street artist. So, you know, it's yeah, it's just a, yeah, it, it's not a legitimate movement because it 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 there are pop surrealist street artists, you know, right. there are conception artists, there, you know. Yeah, that's I, interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's like no. I was when I first started, I ended up getting swept up in this movement called fabricated to be photographed because originally, like in the late seventies, I was a, uh, I I was I I studied photography, so uh, Mm. so I was building sets in real environments with winos and prostitutes and you know people with one ear cut off or just you know (laughs) like almost like a dying. I was finding Diane Arbus photographs, but then building this reverse perspective shit into the the thing and then photographing. But the thing was. You know, the fabricated to be photographed movie was kind of like dogma in um in film, where you know everything it could be so it could be crazy or calming or whatever it was going on in the photograph, but it had to actually be going in front of the camera. Nothing could ever happen in the dark room afterwards. Right. So it kind of created this, and I was already doing it before I understood the, the movement. But then then I got to go like on tour with some of the big guys when I'm very young because because I was kind of swept up into the movement and I was, I had a voice in that movement. So, so I was, I was that. And then I moved to these village and, um, and, 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 and the whole time I'm doing the, um, the, uh, the fabricated to be photographed. I'm also like running all over Texas, painting billboards illegally and doing weird street art type of things. So, oh, yeah, so, so you were, do- you were doing that at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that, that's what people don't understand. It's like, yeah, you do parallel things, you know? Right. That's crazy, but, uh, though. Yeah, so since the seventies, I've been doing weird stunts and billboards on the street. So, so then I, in a weird way, I was kind of part of the street art, and then and I was part of the East Village scene, and then and then then um then I was part of pop lowbrow, and then pop surrealism, and then and then street art legit, and then and that now it's like um you know, am I going to try to ride this digital wave or right <laughs> you know? right the the whole NFT how, how many thing. ways can you ride before you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's one of the things I was wondering is how how do you produce so much i mean it's crazy the amount of the amount of work you produce and just all the different things you've done i mean you seem like you um uh you know are a workaholic and i mean that in the best way cuz i'm the same way you know so i'm just i'm curious if you have like a an infrastructure to to help you you have to have now, some kind of I infrastructure think back what we said before is i've always struggled with business and 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 being able to 
you know, sort of do some of that other stuff. And my, my wife helps me. Thank God. Otherwise, I wouldn't do anything. Yeah, but, uh, same here. No, I mean, I just I get up when the sun comes up um, and I start painting and uh, and I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, actually, uh, I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and he goes, I've never seen anybody work so fucking hard in my life. <laughs> you know, you work every day of your life, and, and you work 12 hours a day or more. Yep. And, I'm like, and I said, but, you know, if you want to know the actual truth about me, I'm lazy. Yeah, I goes, feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> it's like, no, but I only do what I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go hard at it, but it's like, you know, That's I don't so know. funny. It comes to trying to find an assistant, I don't want to deal with people or, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. No, I'm exactly the same way. It's like I, I, I've i people have always told me, you work so hard. And so I started kind of almost buying into this whole belief that I just, I work hard all the time and I do work hard, but it's like when it's stuff I don't want to do, it's like you know, my house is falling apart and it's like, I don't do all the shit I need to do. Really. It's like, I'm really good at working hard on the things I'm interested in, but yeah, you know, that could be ADD or something, but, um, I don't know. My, my, uh, my step. Sorry. Time. So I kind of grew up around there. Yeah. I think I lost. Oh, can you hear me? Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry about that. I, I forgot to turn off my, my my stuff. Oh, that's okay. Anyway. That's okay. Anyway, yeah, I was just saying my my I, I grew up around that kind of work ethic with my stepdad, who was a painter. He just painted five, uh, seven days a week. Hmm. You know, that was his thing. All day. What kind of stuff did he paint? Uh, he did kind of like fantasy stuff. He did like huh. Frazetta-ish stuff, but with meditating Zen monks, floating Zen monks and fairies. And he was really good. He was a really good painter. Did he make a living at it? I guess he must have. He yeah. Yeah, yeah. He made a living at it, which is why uh, he supported the family, which is why I never – why I, I totally went into makeup effects because I saw what a struggle it was to be an artist. And huh. so I th- and I, and I, and I got really into a twelve year old twelve years old. I started getting really interested in makeup effects and horror in horror movies and stuff. So I was like, I got to learn how to do this just because it seems so fun. And then I started thinking, you know, my you know my dad is just like half the time we're completely broke, and then we got money, and then we have no money, and it's like being a fine artist didn't seem viable to me. And and, and as you said, with your family, none of us ever went to college or anything. So <clears throat> I just thought I'll get in the makeup effects business and it, it worked out well for me in that way but um i eventually got sick of it and and left after about 15 years why, why did you get sick of it because that seems like the fantasy job. yeah it is until you know you've done your 3000th angry browed werewolf sculpture and you know it's, it's like i i had this thing i wanted to express and i wasn't able to do it, it you know i was it was always like you're trying to make the coolest monster ever in a movie and mm-hmm. and you're and you're just putting your all into it cuz you care you want it to be so cool and weird and out there and then the studios come in and they make you you know change change it and make it less scary or make it more like this or less like that and you know these people don't have a clue as to what looks good and you're being art directed by money people and you know it's just that sort of thing you know I, I wasn't. Yeah, I guess that's the part people don't think about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, if you're working for someone and, like, and you can get a lot of hostility to those people because 
I think half of them only have an opinion because they think to, to stay in the game, they have to have an opinion. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. I mean, that's like, that's the running joke in, in huh. the shops. It's like, you know, every, half the, you know, the, the running, one of the running jokes is, uh, can you make that? That monster face, 13% scarier because my housekeeper saw a picture of it on the kitchen table and thought it looked too scary. You know, <laughs> so it's just like you just feel like an idiot. Like, why am I why am I working so hard to try and convince you to make your movie better? And then you're like, you know, try like my friend used to say, we always try. I don't think, you know, I don't think your housekeeper can even afford a ticket to your movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's people that will actually come to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, we're fans of this stuff. We know what's good. You don't. You're just doing it to make money. We're doing it because we love it. But, you know, it's just typical kind of a, a service type of job. So I just, I felt like I, I had something I wanted to say artistically and I wasn't able to. And uh, the people, people like Guillermo del Toro and and tool and stuff are so few and far between that I was like, I just, I don't know. I got really into, I was really <clears throat> started reading juxtapose and seeing your work and Mark Ryden's work and, uh, Bekshinsky. I was really into Bekshinsky and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta do this somehow. I gotta figure it out. And so I just spent the next seven years in effects trying to show in shows and work my way out of the business. And then I finally was able to do it. I got got laid off one day and I was like, okay, I'm not coming back. I'm just going for it full time. Yeah, no, the weird thing about, I think, you know, the high-end art world is they, they like this kind of work. But uh, but the, the, their thing is, is well, first off, most of them actually don't seem to um, be the deciders of what's in their collection, which is right. a bit odd. And no, because I've had some people go, you know, like, God, I can't wait to your blue chip because I fucking love your art. But and I can't stand the shit I have to buy. You know that that has right. the market value or whatever, and it's like when you make it, I'm all with that shit. Man. Right. <laughs> and, uh, damn, it's like maybe as a collector, you should ex- exercise more control over you know what what's in and what's out. But I think like yeah, but I think if you wanted to paint monsters, but and you could have some conceptual reason for them to being, you know, like back back to Jeff Koons, it's 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 he painted kitsch because you know rich ladies on on Fifth Avenue like kitsch but they're not allowed to like kitsch because you know if it's for the lower classes or the right stu- you know but you you kind of like it i mean there's you know there's something to it that kind of attracts you you know and uh oh yeah yeah he gave them a conceptual reason to you know because we're, we're really kind of making fun of it and and, and we're critiquing it and, and but no no you're just making big versions of it you know <laughs> <laughs> you're making bobbles for billionaires dude you know and, and don't don't you know go for it let them you know but, but he, he sort of created a conceptual reason, right? You know, a conceptual space for that work to exist in, so that they could still feel, you know, intellectually superior, but still have the cool, fun stuff, you know? Or right, yeah. I, I mean, I've got a conceptual. I've got my concept down. It's like to me, it's like shadow work. It's mm-hmm. it's ta- it's dealing with your own, you know, inner demons. It's also taking um, kitsch imagery that we grew up on that was just stupid exploitation mm-hmm. monster movies and and taking the part of it that resonated with us and elevating it into high art i mean that's my idea anyway it's like these things meant something to me when i was a kid because they scared the shit out of me and by drawing them i was able to sort of control them and feel not so scared of these things and so it's like you know it's it's that's kind of my angle with it truth is i really just want to paint monsters and it doesn't go deeper than that but um but you know, I think that it's it's true. I think it's kind of true as far as why I started 
getting interested in that stuff as a way to deal with my own fear and uh, gain a sense of mastery over it. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, but, it's interesting. My, um, my, uh, my, uh, I know, I, I understand that process. My, um, my grandfather, his uh, best friend, uh, Mr. Hedges, had no lower jaw. He had to have his lower jaw removed. Oh, wow. Like the first time, you know, I used to spend summers in Texas with, you know, staying with my, my grandparents. And uh, I remember the first time that, you know, that somebody knocked on the door and I was underneath the kitchen table and there was a bunch of adults at the table and, you know, like, you know, little kid, ah, go get, let me get the door, let me get the door. <laughs> <laughs> the door just, because you can't talk or anything. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I ran. You know, and, but then, then it was kind of freaking me the fuck out. And, he, and, I, and I had to sleep in the living room. So, like, you know, even, uh, you know, whenever he came, I came over, I just didn't want to see him. I was scared of him, you know, and right. I was scared of him. At him and uh and so finally I just took a picture of him and then I just sat there and studied the picture and studied the picture until I just fucking memorized his face wow. and then after that it, it you know it didn't bother he didn't bother me then I got used to him and then I actually started his you know I could start making out what he was trying to say and I thought he's pretty funny and liked being around him but uh right yeah just that, that was like yeah you kind of yeah it's the same process I think yeah you want to conquer your fears and you know. Totally. Yeah. My mom, I used to be really, when I was like three years old, I used to be terrified of spiders. And my mom took me to the library and showed me this book on spiders and how they worked and what they did. And then it's like, I wasn't afraid of spiders anymore. And it just seems like that, that's just this kind of running theme, uh, at, at least in my early life, where once I, once, if I was afraid of something, I would try and master it through artwork and work mm -hmm. through it through artwork and become befriend it become friends with it so it's at this point it's like you know these are all my pals all these monsters these scary parts of myself it's like a way of kind of integrating that shadow into your personality in a weird way you know i think and, and we were created by deformity we're, we're we're you know something has to fuck up in the dna to create the next thing and you know totally, if the next man it's <laughs> true functional, then it then it doesn't work but if it it could be it could the, the the flaw could be extra functional and and that could be the way we want to go or something you know right so. right well look at the you know the, the the advent of the internet and social media and I mean for better or for worse for cell phone technology it's like you know these kind of a lot of the people that built this stuff have this autism this form of autism you know mm -hmm. but it makes them hyper focused and, and able to like make come up with these amazing you know, technologies that, that end up benefiting the world. It's almost like the reality creates what it needs to hmm. keep things moving forward, maybe, you know, and that might be, might be through genetic mutations. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. Like uh, autistic people are like, they have a kind of laser focus and yeah, uh, they, they don't need a lot of uh, attention like the rest of us do so they can focus on things, you know, in a way we can't sometimes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So how did you uh, how did you end up going to art school in the first place? Um, well, I went I went I went, I went down to, to I graduated high school and uh, first I was going to be uh, fuck what was I going to first I uh, for a while I sold vacuum cleaners and uh, are you they, serious? <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I had hair to my waist, so they said, "Well, you're not selling any vacuum cleaners because you you, you, you look fucking like a freak," you know. And so I bought a short haired wig and I started wearing that and I still couldn't sell vacuum. Are you serious? Well they, 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 I, well, they gave me this book, and it was like a, about a, a six inches thick of all the fucking shit about this vacuum cleaner. The weird thing about this vacuum cleaner uh, – back then, a vacuum cleaner at Sears cost $40. Uh, you know, 
maybe a Hoover costs 50 or uh, my vacuum cleaner costs $640. (laughs) (laughs) And my God, it was the best vacuum cleaner ever conceived in the history of fucking planet earth. It better be. And and I try not to talk about it now because uh, I I still am kind of in a weird cult with the, I mean, I kind of like, it's like a religion to me because, you know, like I actually had the vacuum cleaner right here, you know, and, um, and, and I had assistant and I, I have it hooked up to a table. So like when I'm, um, you know, grinding stuff down, it sucks up all the stuff in the air. But, uh, you know, what my sister, like, this piece of, piece of garbage, let's just throw this out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I've had that in my studio for 50 years. It will not break. It will not. And, and you know what? It, 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 It'll it'll suck the rocks off your 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 driveway. It's it's fucking amazing. Wow! Because it, it it's a centrifugal force. So when anything it'll pick up anything. It's not hit, hitting the the filter, so the filter doesn't clog up with the dirt. It never clog, and that's what slows your vacuum cleaner down. Oh it's, wow! It's got a really powerful vacuum cleaner. The second the the dirt hits hits the the filter, then now you just lost you just lost fifty percent of your suction, and then seventy percent until right. it doesn't even work. Since that never happens. It's just, it's just, it's insane, you know, and wow. I, it was, I had fun, you know, once I, once I hit the groove of selling it, then, then I was sort of having a, a really good time with it because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's, I guess it's kind of like learning your lines in a movie or learning your song before you go on stage. Like once you, once you memorize the song, then you can just have a lot of fun playing it, you know? And so, yeah, the first time I actually sold one, I was, you know, I was just so fucking depressed and, and I hadn't sold anything. And, and, and the, 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 the woman that worked at the front desk goes, Hey, you want to do a line of Coke? <laughs> like, hey, I'm doing that, never that sounds fun. And then I was kind of like charged up and I went to the people's house and I was like, and you get like five minutes just to bullshit them, you know, because, because <laughs> basically you're supposed to figure out who the fuck they are and what, what, what it is about them that, that they have to have this vacuum cleaner. And it, and it was and it, the whole thing worked because I'm just going and I'm looking around the house and it's like, okay, I got normal shit on their walls. Everything seems normal. And then the kid came in for a minute and he had asthma. Right. And I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, and by the way, this vacuum cleaner cures asthma <laughs> <laughs> because basically, you know, it's so powerful. It's, it's got a double filter system. Now, now the, the, it's, it's create this centrifugal force that's hitting this one, one, one inch, you know, canister. So it's, it, it's not, the dust isn't going to be there, but you know, but all the air that goes through their filter, so all the the, the micro particles will, will be out of the air. So the, like if 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 he if he came in now, you vacuumed the whole place. There would be no pollen in this air, nothing to fuck with them. Right. You know, you would literally recycle all the air in this room, and it would all be pure until you open the door again. But uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, and and they had to buy the vacuum cleaner because they loved their kid, you know. And and then I realized, fuck, can I make this work again? You know. So the next one I go to, it's like I kind of knew who she was. And she was like a very prim, you know, improper woman who, you know, back then I, I'm, I'm old. So people back then were most of the women were housewives. So, mm-hmm. you know, she was at home all day and taking care of everything and creating this beautiful house and and everything. And, and, the, and the husband was coming back from the factory or maybe he was, you know, maybe he had a bigger job than a factory. I don't know. But but yeah, so I knew that he would come home like at five o'clock or five thirty. So I, I said, well, can we do the appointment at, at five? And she's like, oh, you know, no, I, I don't want you here when my husband's here or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. let's do it at three or whatever. And then so I kind of showed up late. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, and, and it's just I'll just do as fast as I can. But, you know, thank you so much for doing this. And and the reason people would do it is because the last person I sold a vacuum cleaner, I said, you know what? You just spent six hundred and forty dollars. It's insane. But you know what? For every name you give me, I'll give you 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so let me do my pitch. I'll give you 20 bucks. So literally, you could have a free vacuum cleaner and I will oh, do it up. 
the $640. So you can walk away. If you got enough friends and just say, let the guy talk to you for 10 minutes, tell him the fuck off. And, and you get your 20 bucks and you, you know, if you, you got friends, come on, how many, think about how many friends you got. You, you can not, you're going to get a free vacuum cleaner. It's the greatest vacuum cleaner in the history of the world. You know, anyway, so this, this, you know, I, I, uh, I know their husband's going to come home. She has the absolute perfect house. And so, so I do this, the song and dance and that. And then finally, you know, I got my little stunt that I'm going to pull when the husband comes in. I, I'm like, okay, that's pretty much it. And then the husband, you know, comes in. I just want to show you one more thing. I'm like, okay, ma'am, how, how often do you vacuum? She goes, oh, I vacuum every day. And, you know, the husband's, yep, my, she vacuums every day. She's a good woman, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, um, then you won't mind. It. I'm going to use my vacuum cleaner on one square inch of your rug. And um, so I, now I'm going to take the hose apart and I have this special uh, glass filter and i'm going to put one of um, i'm going to put a little filter in here and it's going to go through this glass and, and it, if there's anything there it's going to get onto this filter so you can see what your vacuum cleaner missed you know uh-huh. it feels okay and so you know i open it up and i put the little filter in it's a little round filter and i i suck for about 10 seconds and the turn thing turns black and then i i take it out and i lay it on the floor and i put another one in and i take that same i'm in that same one square foot i do it again thing turns black and 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 by the time I have 30 of those all over the whole floor and I'm just getting more and more dirt, you know, basically right. you look at the house and go, either she's lying to you, she doesn't fucking clean this out <laughs> and cheating with the neighbor, or, or or you ain't ponying up a fucking real vacuum cleaner for your woman here. <laughs> you know? It's like, which one's he going to choose, A or B? And so, um, you know, of course he's going to, of course she's not cheating on him and, and he just, just had, didn't know there was this better vacuum cleaner. And, That's like- and what was, what's actually happening is, because my vacuum cleaner is more powerful, um, if you have a carpet, you know, and then you have that padding underneath, you know, over the years, it doesn't matter if you vacuum every day, all that dirt falls down through the carpet and it's on the floor below and your vacuum cleaner is not going to get that. Uh-huh. So there's literally a quarter of an inch of dirt for me to keep fucking with, like right there, you know, so I can do 30 <laughs> more of those before I finally got all that dirt out of there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> that's gross but this thing was so powerful it would just suck all the stuff off the floor and anyway as i go on and on and on about this vacuum cleaner one day i went to a party and um i was sitting by the pool and uh i started one guy goes what do you do and i I sell vacuum cleaners i started talking about the vacuum cleaner next thing you know the whole party surrounding me i'm i I probably could have sold everybody in that party the vacuum cleaner but then it's, it's like oh my god who am i (laughs) <laughs> i'm a vacuum cleaner salesman yeah and, I and i'm damn good wow that's like that's like a what like a five thousand dollar vacuum cleaner today yeah i don't know i don't know if they still make them anymore i mean I if going, if that 650 bucks back then was oh, probably yes, be like it was a it was a, a, but you know what the I still have it, and 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 since then, God bless. I I have I I've probably went through thirty vacuum cleaners. Literally, we go to get we go to get the high end vacuum cleaners now, and they last two weeks. That's amazing. I mean, it's so <laughs> sick that they just make everything to break, and they embed. Um, right. They embed a fatal flaw in it. So you, even if you're just like a Mister Fix It guy, you can't take that vacuum cleaner apart, and that part was made with plastic. Right. And oh my God! I know this guy, and and also I met this other guy in in Jersey. But I live with this guy in New York. Um, and his job was to make shit break. And he goes, I'm so good at my job. I can, I can design a refrigerator so it will break 10 minutes after the warranty expires. No I way. Like, no, should I just kill you? <laughs> you know, that's the problem. We got landfills full of crap. Right. You know, we can all filter clean and never have to buy a vacuum cleaner for the rest of our lives or our kids' lives or their kids' lives. And we could all go to the beach. Or we could all have to make vacuum cleaners and throw them in dumps and watch them rot and toxify everything. Wow. It's like, I don't know. It seems like that there's your problem right there, people. Yeah. <laughs> Planned that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty evil. 
So I mean, that's did, why I like like painter because I mean, my God, we ain't making this shit's gonna last thousands of years. You know what I mean? We ain't making right. shit to throw away. Right. Even with the toys, true. I know like the toy thing, I get a little shit because you know, um, if you threw them in land dumps, they would leach you know some chemicals or whatever into the soil. But it's like ain't nobody throwing away the toys either, man. So we're we're sure, right. yeah, you know, yeah. We're not. It's not like you're making these you know gumballs like you know that you sold for a hundred bucks or like a thirty thousand now. Yeah, right, like, right. I don't think they're throwing them in a landfill right away. No. maybe <laughs> <laughs> only if they don't know what they have. Uh, right. So how did you? How did this lead to art school? <laughs> Well, okay. Then, then I moved. Uh, I, I got in. I was also a little thuggy kid, and um, you know, uh, I, I got. I think I hit a cop, and I was so fucking high. And oh my god! <laughs> anyway, I had to leave town. It just got to be if I left, you know, I couldn't go out without getting arrested. But uh, right, it was a small town, so um, you have to leave. And uh, right. I didn't even want to leave. I was so happy there, and you know, all the girls liked me and everything. Where, just, where was this? Decatur, Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's a sweet, nice little town in the mid Midwest. Kind of isolated now. I don't think they even have an airport anymore. But uh, anyway, so I go down to Texas because I got a couple uncles down there. They say, oh, "We'll put you to work." And so they, the guy, he put me to work uh, hanging sheetrock in the projects, and kind of mm-hmm. weird deal. <laughs> Actually, that's uh, that's my big racist tale now, because you what? know everybody's kind of becoming more conscious about you know their white privilege or whatever, or just kind of trying to really think about all this stuff kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like everything's so. So it's really fucked up now because I, I I probably shouldn't even tell that particular story because, you know, I've, I caught myself telling it a couple of times because, you know, I always thought of myself as from a very poor family and very underprivileged and, you know, and, and nobody in our family ever went to college. And so you, you think of yourself as from the lower class and you're very, you don't, you never got a break. There was no mm-hmm. like for you. So you kind of look at your life through the prison of, yeah, it was pretty fucking rough, right. you know? And and so sometimes I think people that come from super rough lives have have very little sympathy, you know, for other mm-hmm. races. Actually, had it harder, but you know, it's kind of like, why don't you get mad at the blue bloods or people that are born into super wealth and and you know got to go to college because their dad went there, even though they're George Bush and they're complete cokehead fuck up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of us, but you know, but I think it's it, it's kind of interesting now because it's so fucking PC and crazy that you know I just tried to tell the story. This is like. I'm just thinking about different points in my life. And I, I, I was very unhappy with my life. I really wanted to be an artist. Did not know how to be an artist. I'm in the fucking projects, you know, in 110 degree heat, mm. um, hanging sheetrock. And I'm not happy, you know. But right. the meanwhile, hey, I was shang- hanging sheetrock because when I got the job there, I was a laborer. Now, mm-hmm. the way they had it kind of situated is is all the black guys were laborers. All the Mexican guys were tape in bed. And all the, uh, you know, the biker white boys were uh, – sheet rockers and mm-hmm. you know you got an extra buck an hour or whatever maybe even two bucks i can't remember but anyway so the white guys did not like that i was the only white guy you know being a laborer they they oh. just didn't it, that bugged them you know right. and they kept saying, dude 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 dude, dude. We'll, we'll fucking teach you how to sheet rock man you can't be a laborer but you know in, in a way i'm kind of depressed and and plus i hung out at night i didn't really know anybody in texas so i hung out in the projects with all the black guys and we'd sit around drinking 40s and mm-hmm. you know i'm I was, you know, I like to party. Um, <laughs> I, I like to figure out how to be an artist, but I, I can't, I have no concepts of how you do that. But uh, anyway, no, but they, they, they just bugged me and bugged me. And, and finally, you know, I said, okay, teach me how to sheetrock, you know, and they, they, they taught me how to sheetrock and I was pretty bad at it. And it ain't hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and maybe I'm retarded, but uh, <laughs> anyway, it's like, 
you know, now I tell that story and people go, and you said, no, you just hear my friend right uh, here. Yeah. But you, you, make sure that, that, you know, he's been here for two years. I've been here for two months. You, you advance him first, you know, right. it's like, <laughs> 17 years old it's like I, i'm i'm lost in some other state yeah so, and what what year is like, what year you know, is this too what uh, year are we talking about seven yeah it's like th- you know things were very different in the 70s man I it's can't like worry because people are you know they're all just like in fucking run you know he, he said fuck you you advance this guy and this guy and this guy you know that have been here longer than me before you start thinking about teaching me how to sheetrock and it's like <laughs> and then when i say no i didn't say that they're just like so like oh that's fucked up dude yeah. <laughs> people people don't have any you know a lot of younger people have no concept of what it was like growing up in that environment it was just completely fucking alien compared to what's going on nowadays you know it's just it was just different and it was like, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have social media. You had your immediate family, and you had your peer group, and that's pretty much it. You know, right. reading reading books, maybe watching TV, but there was like only three channels. You knew you were a hippie, and uh, yeah. you, you yeah. knew that. Um, you know, because sometimes I had like really, really long hair, and 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 hippies they got beat up all the time. And yeah, stuff. exactly. You identified I, as sometimes that. I'd see like some hippie, and you know, and. When I was like 16 or whatever, and I'd he'd go, hey, you fucking hippie, get a goddamn haircut, you piece of shit. And then they would turn around like they're going to fight or they're scared or they, they didn't know what to make of it. And then they realized, oh, you're one of me. OK, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I didn't even have to know the person to do that. Right. It's just, they around, they think, oh, yeah, isn't it stupid? They treat us like that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Same. So, yeah, that's that's how it was. I remember with the punk rockers, too, when I, in the 80s when I was in high school, it was like, you know, you just were – you were automatically friends with these people if you were a punk, you know, if you, if you right. looked a certain way. Um, yeah, right, right. So, so anyway, um, now, now I'm with the sheetrocking guys and I'm still kind of uh, miserable, but, you know, I'm having a good time. And, you know, I, I was the lowest guy in the totem pole. So sometimes mm-hmm. I had to go pick stuff down with the uh, uh, other crews. And, and it was funny because the Mexicans always had, uh, uh, they always had cases of beer. <laughs> I mean, it's like mm-hmm. 100 degrees, it's Texas, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think I gotta go fix stuff down over there. You know, like I think that they just called me. You know, and (laughs) (laughs) go and have uh, some beer. Anyway, so like, but we would we would sheetrock these these rooms and the projects, and then there would be these fresh rooms with all fresh, just white walls. You know, and then and I thought, wow, you know, I'd really like, you know, at at night I would go home and draw, you know, comic books and stuff. Um, Mm. So I thought, well, it'd be fun to draw all over these walls. And so I, I I brought my carpenter's pencil in one day, and you know, came in about four in the morning, so I'd have a few hours to draw. Just, just happy as a lark, drawing, you know. And, and oh, I didn't really? All, you know, they were all coming in one at a time. Uh huh. And they, well, I think maybe the first one came in, and then you know, he sat down, and started watching me, and then the other ones, they're like, shh, 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 just sit down. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and they were just mesmerized. And then finally, I realized they were there, and I'm like, oh fuck, you know. And it's probably already an hour into the workday by then. Uh-huh. And then they're sitting there quietly watching me, just like, don't bother. Just, and they, they were like, we thought you were a fucking idiot, man. It's like, you, can it, you know. And, and, it, and, and it's like, yeah, I just can't shoot rock, but I can do this. <laughs> but wow. no, but they, they took out their their saws and they, they sawed up the whole wall and they all ran it out to their cars and their trucks. And, you know, I went over to one guy's house and, you know, he had it over his mantle. And you know, I was like, wow. it was a Willie Nelson or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, but then after that, they were just like, man, you can't work here anymore. You can't work here anymore. You have to, you have, and, and it's like, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Where I don't understand how to go be this artist thing. I don't know. You got to work for it. They didn't know either. 
Uh-huh. But they just after that they just weren't going to tolerate me working there anymore. Wow, you know? that's crazy. It's fu- it's so interesting too that it's like you know it's kind of street arty. You know, it's on a wall. It's 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 on a. Uh, well, you know, in the projects of Dallas behind all the walls. Before I put the sheetrock up, I did drawings. So, you know, that's, it's trippy. It's like so organic. It's such an it's organic really way to have it happen behind the walls in the Dallas project. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listen to this, man, you live in the projects in Dallas, start ripping at your walls, man. <laughs> yeah, you got an original Ron English in there worth probably walls. <laughs> millions of bucks. So, okay, so so how did so you, how did you get to, to, to art school? Well, then I just – I went to a, a junior college. Okay. So and then, th- then – and I got a job at a factory at night. So I just went to junior college during the day and then I worked at the factory at night to support myself. And, uh, and then after I got through with that, then I went to regular college at North Texas. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I finally kind of figured it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you graduated, what was what did you do? I mean, did you did you have your kind of art? What's <laughs> that? Say again. Broken became homeless. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. I I moved to New York. I, I I was doing the billboards around Texas, and so I made um, like eight billboards. I painted them on paper, and I rolled them up into one big bundle, and took them on an airplane, and and then I got to the airport and. Then I, I dragged them all and they put them in the bottom of a bus and I drove in, you know, I took the bus into the city and uh, I'd got gotten a little apartment in Soho that had a window that faced a brick wall, which is typical in New York. And uh-huh. I don't know. And then now I'm in New York and I, I didn't have any fucking idea what to do, but uh, I don't know. I guess I made it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I mean, <clears throat> yeah. When I was younger, first seeing your work, I was just so, I was like, so inspired by what you were doing with the you know the culture jamming and, and the uh, social commentary and, and on the advertising and stuff it was so inspiring to me and I felt like you know I kind of tried to go there maybe more with music because I was in a band and stuff too but um, very very much political and protest type stuff and I just felt like I just wasn't that good at it it's huh. like it didn't come out it didn't come across well like I wasn't clever enough for, you know, you have to hit a certain balance or it's totally corny, I think, you know? Yeah. I don't it's think easy. I was clever at first. I would just uh, obsess with putting stuff on the street. All the stuff I saw, I mean, at least at least all the stuff I've seen, I thought was very clever and really well, well thought out. later once, you know, once I kind of started. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I just felt like I wasn't really a natural and I kind of was like started thinking what am i what am i a natural at and it was it was monsters that was it you know that's that's what i was made to do so oh, i kind of I, when i was a kid that's what i wanted to do i was obsessed with you know like lon chaney was like my god oh, really yeah oh and no I thought, way what, what be better to go to hollywood and uh you know and it, it's weird i was in a in a band and they were going to go to um la and i was kind of too cowardly to go out there by myself but i was one year older than them and so and, and plus i got kicked out of town so uh so they said, look, you know, we're still going to L.A. And I said, I have to be I can't be in this town anymore. I'll be in Texas. Here's the number we can reach me there when you get ready to go to uh, L.A. and make it big, you know. And I wasn't thinking about I thought I would kind of go out there with them. And I I, I kind of had the idea in my head that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be your singer because I'm really not that good of a singer. <laughs> I'm probably too shy for that anyway. But, you know, I want to be out there. I don't want to go out there by myself. I'm too, too chicken, you know. Right. But, but you know, once I get out there, you know, I, I think it would probably be very helpful for a band to have you know, their in-house artist and help them, you know, design stuff or put together the costumes or, and, and, and bands have done that. Like, yes, had, uh, uh, Roger Dean. Roger or, Dean, I mean, yeah. I, don't think it's a, I think it's a smart thing for a, a, a band to kind of have an image person or a person. for sure. Yeah. 
but uh, anyway, I, they never went, and uh, and, and then <laughs> I sort of lost myself in Texas. So, but yeah, that, that's that would have been my dream to go out there and you know do makeup. But yeah, you, you know who uh, was also really interested in monsters as a kid that surprised me was Alex Gray. Oh, I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he there's a you know there's he's posted a picture before of of this kind of like Grim Reaper next to a like a, a tombstone and a graveyard and it's like it's exactly the kind of shit i was drawing when i was that age like seven eight years old pretty amazing uh so i think there's you know maybe there's a, a fascination with with death there in, in some way but i was surprised i'm, I'm surprised uh you're a monster guy too but, but i mean you grew up you grew up during the monster kid era of the like the 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 60s where it was like fa- fa- a wonderful show called Acres Creature Feature. Um, yeah, that came on like at twelve at night. So we, uh, you know, me and my friends would all sit in my basement and watch Acres Creature Feature. And then, but they also had this part where they had a Wolfman, and he would he would judge an art contest. Everybody would send in art. So oh, every cool. week, <laughs> art, and, and and almost every week I won. You know, so that was probably oh, really like, like fun for me too. That you know I'd win all the art contests. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What What was this guy's name? Uh, it was his name was uh, it was called the Acres Creature Feature and it was a it, it was probably Acre. Yeah, that was just the guy's name. I mean, oh yeah, no, uh, no, I, I I'm into these guys. Like I have a book okay. of of uh, horror hosts. So I'm like I'm way into it. So I'm just curious how you spell that because I want to look this guy up. Acre Springfield because most of the people were very regional there. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. They're, they're they're all in these. Every town. Every town had their own horror host. You know. Yeah, but some dude made a book. There's a book. I forget what it's called, but this guy made a book and cataloged all kinds of them. It's really kind of amazing. Um, yeah, it seemed like that would have been a really fun, fun job. Oh, I mean, totally. I, I, I always, though, I was always confused about money. You know, um, like, you know, I, probably the guy that played the Wolfman on Acres Creature Feature worked at a local factory. Right. <laughs> You know, I, I, I think I was confused by, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of these people just didn't make, they, they, they did something they did for fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, my, the, the one I grew up with that was um, in the in the 80s, really, when I was probably old enough to know better, but I was still into it, um, was, this, was this guy named, um, it was called Fright Night with Grimsley. And uh-huh. uh, I ended up looking him up and looking his background up, and he was like a Hollywood kid. That had his parents were in the movie business, and so he had like all kinds of money. He was like a rich kid, but he was into horror movies, and he so he just did it for the hell of it. He didn't make any money, but he was like, he was great. Fright Night oh. with Grimsley. Grimsley. Anyway, <laughs> I love that shit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's I. The speaking of being in a band, one of one of the other amazing things you've done is collaborated with Daniel Johnston, who's like one of my favorite musicians in the world um oh you know we actually have something coming out uh in in two weeks or uh may May 1st may 1st oh really um yeah it was weird um me and him had a band together for a long time and uh you know i've known him since the early 80s in austin and we we did a lot of art we have we made a lot a lot of art together over the years oh you know him from austin i didn't know that shit you know him from way back right yeah, he was. Uh, we got along because we both have our own characters and kind of built our own worlds. And sometimes we felt like we were going to merge the worlds and right. we're both weird music. But um, yeah, yeah. So like, but 
he has a, a, a hi, how are you day? It's like his holiday and it's mostly celebrated in Austin. So, but the last hi, how are you day? This guy, uh, Earl Norman, uh, s- sends me a song and, and it's, he goes, ah, I should have gave this to you like 20 years ago, but, uh, you know, here it is now. I just was thinking about it cause it's Daniel Johnson day and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was, it was a, a song that me and Daniel made. Um, well, the weird thing about Earl is Earl was a musician who was pretty, pretty well known and got, was in MC 900 users. And, mm-hmm. and, but he went to Singapore for 10 years and, and, uh, and he lost all of his mojo, you know, like he came back here and he did, there was no, nobody knew who he was or, you know, he wasn't just going to be able to jump in any band he wanted like he used to be able to. And so he was kind of lost and we had a, a house in Jersey and it was like a duplex. So we let him have half the house, you know, we said, you know, you can hang here until you figure out what the fuck you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, a year later, he's still there doing nothing, like <laughs> chain smoking cigarettes. And it turned out, it turned out he had tuberculosis. Oh shit! Yeah, you know, so he exposed our kids to tuberculosis, and so oh my we're, kind God. Of, we're kind of mad at him. But you know, he finally, you know, once he had, once he actually was diagnosed with tuberculosis, he had to go to isolation in a hospital, and and we have to get checked every year. And I, I'm sure we didn't get it from him, but you know, oh my anyway, God. we're kind of mad at him, and, and and he would never pay rent or do anything. Right. And I said, look, let's just make a couple songs together. I mean, you know, you can live here for free, but you know, like, help me make a couple songs, you know. And I, and I, we actually worked on one song the whole time, and uh, <laughs> and and I'd forgotten. But Daniel had come to visit and uh and done and done the vocals on it. It was called uh, "Big Empty Ego," but it was it was kind of me <laughs> trying to make a Daniel Johnson song and then Kevin Daniel Johnson sing it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so like a, a month or so ago, you know, he he sent me the the song and he goes, "Oh yeah, I should have probably given this a long time ago." And so, like, oh, okay, cool. now they have this NFT thing. And uh, so I was doing stuff with Nifty Gateway, and they're kind of like, well, you know, we'll, we'll give you like three lo- three drops a year, but, you know, it's probably not good form to, like, go on every platform every two weeks and do something, you know? And, right. You know, anyway, I, I mean, there's no contracts or anything, but, uh, but anyway, I thought, well, my other friend, uh, Ed Zipko, um, has, has, has his own, you know, they have a gallery and everything, you know, and, uh, so like, you know, he called me and says, well, would you do something for, you know, my gallery? And I'm like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't do anything as Ron English. But then I thought, fuck, you know, do you like Daniel Johnson? Uh-huh. And he's like, ah. It's like, well, shit, you know, I could probably pull off something quick because um, I've been, you know, I helped the family, the estate. Um, they want to make toys with this stuff. So I hooked them up with uh, Josh at Clutter to, you know, to design and make their toys. So I, oh, I, bet, cool. you, I bet you Josh did this in 3D because, I mean, I don't think they, I think right. they mostly do 3D programs. And, uh, you know, so I called him up and he goes, yeah, we did the uh, Jeremiah in 3D. He says, okay, we're going to make Jeremiah into a grin and I'm going to do the background for it, like a weird Van Gogh background. And I have this fucking lost song. So we'll, we'll put the whole thing to this music. Oh my God, be- that's amazing. So, so yeah, we get to drop that on uh, May 1st with, yeah, and it was kind of weird. It's almost like Daniel, like dropped me a gift from heaven, you know? Yeah. What a trip. What a trip. Yeah. yeah it's I, hard I, people being, being dead for me. I don't know. Somehow death doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh I I'm I'm so happy I got to see him. I think the last time he was out in LA for they showed the showed a the documentary and and he played. And um you know, he was looking in pretty bad shape at that point. Yeah. Um, we went down to visit him like a month before he died and it was uh, it was like he was already dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Just uh that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, we, we went out, you know, he 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 at the very end, he could only last about ten or twelve minutes a day. Then he'd be kind of tuckered out. After oh, oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. What a shame. What a tortured artist. Well, um, man, he had a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of amazing. 
I mean, it's kind but of amazing. I, I knew him forever, and uh, he, he never complained. Really? I mean, he went through hell. Yeah, I could play all the time. My facts are pretty fucking good. Right, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's just like he was always positive. He was almost like a little child. Um, right, yeah. You know, I'd be in New York and be all fucking depressed. I mean, New York is hard, um, you know. And then the phone would ring and Hey, Ron, what's up? Man, it's like, I don't know. It's like, fucking everything's going wrong here in New York. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll fly down here and we'll make a record, man. You know, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know I'm not. <laughs> you know, it was like a little kid, you know. And then you go down there and he'd be like working with Brian Beatty and he's like, why the fuck are you here? Well, then you call, I'm going to come down. I'm here. I'm like, oh, fuck. We're in the middle of making a record, man. It's like, well, now you're making a record with me. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he was kind of like this weird pa- patron saint in in a strange way. I mean, he really was a kind of a brilliant guy. Yeah, and it's also um, um, if you see somebody with the Daniel Johnson shirt, that that guy's your friend. Exactly. You know, you walk up to him, and, and yeah. you're automatically you know that that's going to be a really nice person. Right. You know? Yeah, it's true, and it's like people, you know, people always. People that don't understand the whole Daniel Johnston thing just think they they hear a little bit of you know one of his songs and they're like oh these people are all just making fun of Daniel Johnston it's like no 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 this guy is a genius if he wasn't you know if he didn't have mental illness he he really would have been a, a brilliant genius songwriter and he and he and he still is, is was a brilliant genius no, songwriter I, it was just tw- oh, twisted. It was just kind of twisted because of his mental illness. You know what I mean? I, I the, the melodies are simple, but I think they're really good. And I think oh, they're, they're amazing. Uh, he's, uh, no, it's also weird. Like a weird thing about mental illnesses, I, you know, and some people I think think um, mentally ill people are stupid. Right. You know, or they, they associate that, which is completely wrong. Right. So, I mean, he went to college. He's He was very clever. He was a really good poet. Um, he was really good with words, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he, he had a really magical way of ex- expressing things, and he, he made up a lot of his own words. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they're amazing too. <laughs> yeah, if, if a word didn't, you know, you didn't have the exact right word, you make up one. But uh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. I don't. I never saw anybody as making. I think some people like he, he you know, he he did once say, "Look, look, Ron, you know, you know, all my fans are insane." <laughs> but you no, know, I think that he was, you know, he, he he meant a lot to people that were suffering with some kind of mental illness, and the fact that he was able to pull off something. You know that epic. I think meant so much to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was he was he was a hero. He really was a hero. Pretty amazing, amazing dude. Yeah, I mean, I just, I keep thinking about everything you've done in your life, and it's like it's impossible to cover everything because your career has just been like <laughs> it's 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 kind of mind boggling what you've been been able to do over all these years. Um, I, I I know that one thing since you know you're kind of like probably the most successful artist ever to be on this podcast and uh, i know a lot a lot of people that listen to it are 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 artists working artists or people trying to get into the trying to become artists for you know making a living at it and so you know i know this is kind of cliche but um what kind of you know advice from someone who's very successful can you give to people that are really serious about trying to make this you know this this change in their life and become professional artists well you know um you know i think that i, I would guess that probably 70 percent maybe 90 percent of what i do doesn't make any money oh really yeah wow i don't get paid to go liberate billboards 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that was something I was wondering about I watching your documentary. Money like crazy making all these albums. All this, uh, the, the band, my band is called The Rabbits. It's Rabbits with three Bs, R-A-B-E-B-I-T-S. Right. Go on Spotify right now and check us out. We are actually quite brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, Excellent. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like it, that that whole project just, it just, I have to pay for the studios. I have to, I pay all the musicians. It's it, the, the project is, it's all my characters and, and, uh, and I, use different musicians to, to play the music. I, I kind of pretty much have two, two different bands. Like, so everybody in the band is, you know, they have other careers. So like the bass player plays with Bob Dylan, the, the drummer plays with Steely Dan. I mean, they're all wow. top notch uh, <laughs> professional uh, musicians. That's and uh, I get great singers, but you know, there's singers like the Reverend Vince plays uh Waylon Wolf and, and, uh, and an uh, opera singer plays uh, uh, Bo Leaf, the, the grand Poobah sheep. And, mm-hmm. you know, well thought out thing, and and then you know, there's we've made over a hundred songs. So I guess we have about seven albums now. Jeez, but 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 you know, it's like there's there's no market for music, right? So it's like yeah, we can play gigs, and you know, but it's hard to get all these guys together for gigs because they're you know, like the the two singers are in Bruce Springsteen's band, so if he's <laughs> when he's on there, his backup singers are, you know what I mean? So it's hard yeah. to pull everything together, even do a show, and 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 with this many people in the band, you know, we're not going to make money anyway, so. You know, and the, you know, you have to pay for the studio, and I don't know. It's it's rough, you know. So but I mean, I have to do it. I can't not do it. I I. It's just I don't know. It's it's like what if you can paint like Michelangelo? And people are like we don't like paintings, right? <laughs> you know, how good I can fucking paint? It's like we don't like paintings. Did you, did you not hear us? <laughs> you do. It's like well, I guess I'm not going to make any paintings. Right. Yeah, that's well, a good point. You know, at some point, you just think this shit's too good and it has to exist, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I will, I will, I will sacrifice, you know, to make this, but, uh, fuck, I wish, I wish there was a way to make money off of it. It would sure make life easier. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I know one kid in Illinois has kind of tried to figure it out. Cause I went back to my hometown and he's like, how do you afford to drive around the country and fucking hit up murals everywhere? Cause you know, obviously you're just doing it legally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It helps if you're painting silver half a fucking million dollars. I don't yeah, know. right. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, uh, you know, you guys self finance everything. So, I, you know, it's Andy Warhol. I liked him because I, he, um, he, he wrote a lot and he, and it, and it helped me understand a lot because, you know, he was struggling with the same shit we struggle with, you know, and it's just kind of like, well, like there's that one story where he goes, you know, he's going to get to do the album cover for the Rolling Stones, you know, and he, they're, they're, uh, they're doing let it bleed or whatever. And then, you know, he can say, okay, well, here's the concept, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be, um, it's going to be like a cake. And then the needle's going to be jammed into the, the cake and it's just be really like, you know, it'll be really cool, you know? And then they're all mm-hmm. like, wow, you're an idiot. That is the <laughs> thing we've ever heard in our lives, you know? And he's like, Oh, and then he felt real depressed. And then he's walking down the street, you know, months later, there's his idea on the album cover. <laughs> and he actually thought that was a great idea, but you know, like all that crap happened to him, you know, and you think shit that, that stuff happens to me too, man. Right. You know, but it, it helped. You realize the shit that's, he just rolled with it, you know? And then, then, uh, years later, you know, he made friends with Mick and he got, got to really do their album cover. And, uh, right. you know, but if he just would have been all whiny bitch about it, you know, which he was a little bit, but, uh, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's like you're swimming with sharks, man. It's like, and sometimes they're going to bite your ass. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely a, a two types of attitudes you see, I think, in the art world. And it's like the successful people are usually kind of, they roll with it. They don't get too personally insulted. If like, yeah. you know, their name is left off of a flyer for a group show or 
something like that. And then you've got the people that bitch about everything. And it's usually they're not the successful ones. It's like you got to be able to kind of eat some shit and be okay with it. I know, but it's, it's, it's hard. Like, because sometimes you want to work with somebody that, you know, like, oh my God, this guy's so talented. But man, they, they, they're the, they sit online all day fucking bitching about shit. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, do I really want that? I'll take somebody that's not quite as good. <laughs> exactly, right? It's I'm like grateful. They'll come over and have a beer with me. Right, right. It's like I'll, I'll, you know, I would that that counts for a lot. Is just kind of having a decent attitude. Um, the whole asshole artist thing only takes you so far. Um, I, I think. I think. Um, you know, if I'm curating a show, it's like, and there's someone that's amazing but difficult to work with but there's someone who's good but really easy to work with i'm gonna go with the good guy yeah <laughs> you know uh that's it's important it's part of the whole thing so i guess your i guess your your uh your practical advice would be uh be easy to work with <laughs> yeah there you go oh you know <laughs> i just tell young people um just to just to do your thing you know um because yeah. in the long run it always works out I, I, you know, I feel the same way. It's just, you know, it's, I felt like I'm going to make this, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this work. And at the time it was like, I just felt like there's no way to make a living making painting monsters. I just can't see it. But this is, this is really, really what I feel like I'm made to do. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it work, which means you know, being in any show that's that's willing to have me and driving during my lunch hour on my lunch break, driving and dropping a painting off. And I just, I wouldn't accept no for an answer. I knew the, you know, I believed in the, my work and I knew it was good enough. So I was like, I have to make this happen. And right. I just would not give up, you know? So. Right. And also, um, you know, you, you see like when I was younger, it's like everybody, you know, Basquiat kind of like at some point they made a movie about him and, and then, then there were like a million kids making Basquiat's and, and like, you know, may, maybe you just really like this kind of work or maybe you just think that's the kind of work that people want. Right. You know? And, and, and it, it, and you can actually get a ride. You can get a ride for a while. Um, like, like with street art, street, I got like super, uh, popular for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I suspect after the pandemic, when, we, when everything comes back, it, it'll be forgotten. But, uh, <laughs> It'll be digital art next or whatever, right? But, uh, but you know, there was a point where you know, you, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a street artist, you know. But if you could say I'm a street artist from Brooklyn, you're going to sell work, you know. And I would meet people to buy this. Oh, dude, I, I got a street artist from Brooklyn, man. It's like he's fucking street artist. He's fucking fucking Brooklyn. You know, <laughs> what's his name? Right. Street artist from Brooklyn, man. It's real <laughs> shit. It's like what's his name? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, then, 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 but you know, but it's it, it, like all these people that like became Mark Ryden imitators or Basquiat imitators mm -hmm. or whatever. But that's not really who they were. And then, then when the fad, you know, kind of fades, then they, they yeah. don't have their own thing. And it's the, it's the weird people that just do some fucked up thing and they just keep doing it because that's what they really <laughs> want to do. But eventually, you find your own audience. You know, yeah. You know, maybe those people that wanted Basquiat, you know, maybe they want your stuff. Maybe they don't. You know, may, may, a lot of those people just want whatever's hot, hip because they want people to come over to their house and be impressed. And they actually don't really care that much. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, you know, that that that, that reminds me of a point I wanted to um, bring up when you were talking about a, a blue chip collectors saying, I don't really choose my own artwork. 
Um, yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot. I kept trying to remember, but you reminded me. Um, I, I was in a show at uh, at LACMA that it was at the Guillermo del Toro group show. Right. He, he did like, you know, at, it was called At Home with Monsters and it was everything in his collection, all the art he collect, collected. And um, he had a bunch of my pieces. And so we were, show, you know, I got to be in a LACMA show. It was amazing. And it traveled around to like Toronto and Mexico City and stuff. Anyway, um, uh, you know, Greg Escalante. Oh, that's funny. I was uh, thinking about him just before we went on the air. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, I, I think about him a lot. It's really, it's a, it's a bummer, bummer situation. But, um, uh, anyway, he, he, his, I think it was his girlfriend was one of the, I don't know, some big wig at LACMA. She was a curator uh-huh. or something. And so you, I, I had that, that, the, uh, conjoined show at Copro every year. The, the uh-huh. sculpture show. I think I'm sure you were in. I I know you were in one of them. Um, I believe it was. Yeah. 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 At least one of them. But um, it was super. It's like the most popular show at Copro. It's like huge mm-hmm. crowds, a big deal. You know. I mean, a lot of people go. A lot of people show up. But um, you know, a lot of people people don't buy really that much. It's it's a strange thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a huge show. It's like their biggest show of the year. And so I was telling Greg, I'm like. And, and and so anyway, I'm sorry. So the Guillermo del Toro show happened at LACMA and it was selling out every day. Like they were making a shitload of money off of it because it was so popular because people are interested in that sort of stuff. Like yeah, it's yeah. like movie props and kind of dark art and cool, just cool shit. And, um, and so, and it was a lot like, it reminded me a lot of the conjoined show because that whole idea with that was, you know, trying to marry people in the fine art world with people in the effects world all making art. And so I, I was talking to Greg and I'm like, man, we should get conjoined in a, in a museum in like LACMA. Look at how well the the Del Toro show is doing. And he's like, yeah, but they don't care. He's like, they don't give a shit if they make a lot of money. They don't care. It's not about that for them. They're like the tastemakers and they choose who goes in there and they, they have who they think the public needs to see. It's not about making money a lot of money or popularity for that matter. Um, was, yeah, I don't know. I, I might what, argue at that point, but, uh, <laughs> that, that seemed weird no, to me, no, but, it, but sometimes I think people think, well, you know, the street art show got more people than any show ever, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So what, why, why did they dump Jeffrey? Yeah, because, that's because they make most of the money from huge donors. Right. Right. I would, I would not, act like they don't give a shit about money (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's but 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 essentially though he's he's saying that that they're saying you know it's not like they care what the people want they probably care what the donors want (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so that was a little bit disheartening but it's like um, oh yeah yeah because a lot of people think well you know if if you did a pop surrealism show at the moment it would be the biggest show they ever had right they, but, they would have lines, you know, for blocks. But yeah, but they don't. Why care. don't they do that? <laughs> if you live in Hollywood, so like, hey, what if we can make a, a movie and it'll be bigger than Titanic? And what right. it'll be about? It'll be about the second coming of Christ. Yeah, we're not really Christians, right? <laughs> and if, you, if you literally said no, it's like if you could crunch the numbers and say no. If we put like uh, Johnny Depp as Jesus, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not that up on things, but you know, somebody <laughs> a big bright star, um, and you know, have him come back and be a revolutionary, whatever you decide to do with it. Or have him be a woman. I don't know. But, but I mean, if you could prove that this is going to be the biggest movie in the history of the world, you know, with, but with Moneyball, I mean, of course they're going to say yes. I mean, my, my art dealers, like, 
you know, you know Romero Brito? No. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. He came up. We were, we're hanging around the gallery, and he's like, I would never show that guy. That guy that's horrible. That's just fucking night. You know, that's can- it's like eating candy canes for dinner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know, you get a million dollars if you have one of his shows. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah. No, I'd still never show that. Or six months later, guess what? Show yeah. He is. <laughs> <laughs> money but, talks. I mean, it's nice about like at least you know, like if you're just going for the money, it's like there's a kind of a purity in it, you know. Yeah. But, you in know, a way. <laughs> for the money, you realize because you know the it's just they're, they're I think people are deceived because they think that um that they're they're looking for ticket sales, but they're getting more of their money from corporate sponsors. Um. That's why minimalism got so big. I mean, I don't think those people liked minimalism, but but minimalism says nothing about nothing to no one, which means that I can we can we we can create we can, we can create investor art, but there's there's you're not going to get any controversy around it, you know, because it's not anything. You know, right, what I mean? right, yeah, yeah. But, it's you know, like no no none of these people, none of these people like cause. Oh, because really? He's the, the absolute lowest form. I mean. God, like in art school, like they'll spank your little hands if you do um, uh, fan art. Fan art is the absolute lowest form of art. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I'm painting SpongeBob. Why? Because I like SpongeBob. <laughs> you know? Get the fuck out of this art school. You know what I mean? You know, they, they, everybody, all the intelligentsia couldn't stand that stuff. But, you know, once Asia actually kind of took over the market and we're dumping shit tons of money into it, th- th- then it's kind of like, you know, he, they loved him because they don't they don't live by the same standards. We they, right. they have they're looking for different things. So they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. We love SpongeBob, and he paints SpongeBob. So fuck yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he likes SpongeBob just as much as we do. You know, and he's right. not being mean to SpongeBob and, or critiquing SpongeBob or all the things you'd have to do. You know, to be in the American market, but then the American market had to capitulate because you can't. They will not walk away from that much money. I mean, right. I don't think they like NFTs, but I remember like not. You know, the last time I was at Arbazo, there were I think seven. Uh, uh, panels with major museum people that normally would never appear on a pan- panel, but they're trying to figure out this NFT thing, you know? Wow. Yeah. So yeah. That's like that's too much. 70, was it $69 million? But yeah. We're not walking away from that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have that. <laughs> you know I mean? If there's one thing I can understand, it's $69 million. He's everything. The art world hates. He's everything. It's kind of trite, right. stupid, uh, uh, on PC, just, yep. it, childish you know dribble a lot of it some of it's really good yeah i'm just saying but it's, it's just like he ain't what they want he ain't what they're promoting you know and right but a lot of the stuff they're promoting you know like one of my dearest friends tried so hard and he pushed these people so hard but they they had no they had um a different kind of they had a, a different kind of pedigree and, and credibility but it wasn't artistic talent you know what i mean right and, right and ultimately they failed because a he was trying to draw people from the super upper classes and they 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 don't work that hard. They don't work hard enough, even even if they have other people do it. Like um, I remember, like like in the eighties, it's like I met this guy Stillman Rockefeller, and he was uh, he wanted to be, you know be an artist, so he started being an artist. And then at some point, he quit. But he was never making the art. He was having other people make the art. And I'm like, why don't you quit being an artist, man? He goes, it's too fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, you know, but but I'm, I'm just saying, but you don't even make it. <laughs> it's like it interferes with my lifestyle. You know, so um, wow. you know, trying to get. I mean, it makes complete sense that I want artists that are, you know, from major families with billions of dollars. Right. But they get them to try to produce work. They, even if they get, they, they may, they don't have that kind of, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something, and, and the ones that they love the most, 
came from middle class families like Andy Warhol came from a very poor family and he's the most beloved person ever created by the art world. Right. So most of the it's they keep trying to get, you know, kids in the super upper class, but 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 the 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 greats have always been hungry, you know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 like uh I there's no there's no real formula for it. I don't think uh, I think they, if they, I think they try and make a formula for creating, you know, finding the the next big thing. And I guess they kind of create that, but I don't know. But it's interesting because we've watched them lose control in the last mm-hmm. few years. I think Cause is the perfect example of them losing control because they're, they're not going to walk away from that. It's too big. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really not what they want to be happening. And, but they've lost, they've lost control of the narrative, but they don't want to lose control of the money. Yeah. Yeah, what a trip! What a trip! And in that way, the NFT thing is actually really cool. <laughs> I never, I never looked at it under that lens, but it's it's uh, democratizing in a way. Well, the the um, the, um, the artist keeps getting money, and, and yeah. they're already, you know, this like a month ago, suddenly our phone started ringing off the hook. You know, oh, you know, we we have a platform, this and that. I mean, literally, I was doing twelve hours a day doing meetings about this. You know, right? And, and I, yeah, we talked about it a couple of years ago, but it was actually back then it was talked about more in the context of, uh, um, like we do a lot of toys in China, and I, and I and I do painting shows in China, and a lot of the collectors are, um, you know, they're real scared of of, of fakes, and a mm-hmm. lot of them collecting because they just don't know what's a fake or not. Right. I mean, usually if I do the show and I'll take the picture with them and stuff, so they, you know, well, there he is. He's not going to post next to a fake, but uh, right. But we we were looking for like the blockchain to to, to authenticate art to so and especially a toy. So like, it's, you know, there's a lot. Really, of them, but, you were you doing know. this a couple of years ago. You were looking into this, but only you know in that context. I never thought of the actual NFT, the oh, code wow. being art. I just thought this is a way that that you know my painting came from my studio. Wow. This is, know that this toy came from my studio and that it's not been bootlegged in china or anything right wow that's interesting it it would surprise me when the first guy came to me and goes no 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 we're gonna um you know we're gonna it's gonna be art and but the the code's gonna be the art and it's gonna you know it's gonna bring you to a piece of art but uh and i said well but they want to own the copyright the art no it's like it's okay this doesn't make a lot of sense but uh I know I've been but hit anyway, up. It's it's but yes yes but but with you know everybody is you know everybody that, that held a position as being you know a middle person and stuff or a gallery everything yeah they're all kind of having a little freak out and trying to figure out you know can we lock people into contracts you know and they're they're offering you oh we'll give you part of the company we'll 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 you know what we'll buy the pieces up front we'll give you hundred grand a piece whatever wow. yeah, I mean it's gonna be like fucking crazy deals you know wow wow kind of like you can see like how quickly they. They could uh, they could become the middleman again, but right now they're kind of scrambling because you know you could go post your stuff yourself, right? And, and you get the aftermarket. You well, you get um you get um like fifteen percent of the aftermarket, right? One on Sunday, and 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 my income will probably with, within a month have doubled from what <laughs> the initial sales were because people just keep flipping them. That's crazy. Within within as, as soon as the auctions were over, they were already flipping them. Wow, are you serious? Yeah, but I mean, so like you know, so you get fifty percent, but um, uh, right? But every, no, they flip them right away because you know it's like a game of hot potato, right? Right. So no, if if well, like my son says, you know, my, my son's a financial guy, so uh, so oh, he's like, cool. why, are you, why are you the artist? That's the lowest thing on the totem pole. 
I mean, I'll, I'll want you to set your computer. You know who the cool artists are. And when they pop off shit, you know, buy them and then flip them. Right. You don't have to put up any money to make them, any time or effort to make them. You just sit there and go, buy, sell, buy, sell. <laughs> you you know? need to. You kind of need to be in that scene, though, to know who's doing what, though, don't you? I mean, it, that's part of this whole thing is it's like so it's so foreign to to me anyway. All right. Well, here, here's 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 a fucked up thing about me. It's like I feel like we're doing therapy or something. But <laughs> I'm a literally a month ago. I didn't know what the fuck anybody was talking about. Right. And now I, I swear I, I have to bite my tongue to not act like I'm the biggest expert on this in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I do that, but I do that, you know. But uh, anyway, so you're into it. Like you like it. You think it's cool. Uh, well, you know. Uh, Again, you know, I, I approach things like you as, a, as as an artist. So yeah, well, of course, I'm trying to create revenue streams because I can make my crazy records and, right. you know, I want to make my art. Um, but I mean, I liked I like because I'm not a digital artist. So basically, yeah, they 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 we decided to go with Nifty Gateway because they're kind of the biggest ones and they're also the best curated ones at this mm-hmm. right now. Um, so. But they said, you know, we can give you a, a slot in the summer or whatever. And I said, well, what's your, your soonest slot? And it's us in three weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm not a digital artist. So how the fuck am I going to get a collection together in three weeks? <laughs> we don't want you to just do a single piece. We, we're going to spotlight you and you want, you know, we want you to have like a nice eight piece or 10 piece collection. So it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, but right. you know, I'd rather just say, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. You know, let, right. let, let, learn this by doing it. Right. And, uh, but I had a really, you know great time because you know now i'm forced to work with other people you know so who's who's easy to work with who's hard to work with you know right and, uh, and also i have this music and it's about all these characters and i've worked so hard on that oh it's yeah actually, it's kind of perfect it's, it's really good um no in a weird way uh, like sometimes i get into things because i i've loved music love music but so much great music has crap lyrics. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Definitely. Like the rocks, I'm like it hot, you know, how yeah. profound that, you know, I, I'm, a, I I'm a big lyric guy. Believe me, I'm a huge lyric so, guy. So that, I almost had to do this project so I could tell the story I wanted to tell, you know, in the way I wanted to tell it. But oh, uh, how cool. Anyway, so now I get to have the music and, and, and I have all these characters and they're, they're just, they're screaming to be animated. You know wow, what I mean? Yeah. 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 I know what their personalities are, but nobody else does until I animate them. So, so this will be my opportunity to a- animate them, to start creating these worlds that I've, you know, created in the paintings and created them in a, in a form that can, I can, I can replicate. So yeah, that's kind of perfect. It was kind of like, wow, you know, life is weird because, you know, you know, maybe, like I, the last mural I was painting before the pandemic, I'm thinking I'm in my sixties. It's like, how many, how many more buildings can I sling off of and paint murals? It's like, right. I wish something else would happen. And then boom, something else happens, you know? And it's like, okay, now I'm super happy to be in this space. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know, what's, what's for me, I, I haven't jumped in yet. Um, because I'm, I'm very, I'm like, I'm just, I'm one of these people that's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I don't jump in unless I'm sure of something, but the thing that's killing me is that in, um, the early two, two, let me see, 98, 1998, I started getting into computer animation uh-huh. to make, to make looping animations. And I wanted to have an art show. I was, I started before I started painting, I was like, I'm going to be a digital fine artist. And I started oh. doing these looping animations, like one minute loops or 30 second loops. I mean, think about it in 98, it's not like GIFs were even a thing or GIFs or whatever you call them. And it's like, right. I wanted to have 
I had this vision. It's basically they're like my paintings. They're these dark looping animations. They're kind of like my paintings, but it's 3D animated. And um, I want my vision was like I'll have a gallery. I'll have flat screen TVs, but they cost so much back then. Right. And, and it would be these looping animations. And so I was like, I can't afford to do that. I have no money. So I ended up. Um, inadvertently I showed one of them to my friend in tool, my friend Adam in, in the band tool. And he's like, Oh man, can we use this animation? I was like, sure. So then subsequently I did a bunch of animations for them for their live shows. And, um, so I've got a bunch of these, um, looping anim digital animations. And it's like, I wanted to do this in, you know, I and eventually I put a I put like a DVD out of them because I thought oh you turn you could turn your TV into a picture frame and just have them looping on your TV and um, so it's the same thing like when Andy Warhol did the um, portraits he wanted them to you know he was trying he wanted them to be projected on the wall it's not practical to put a sixty millimeter camera in the, or a projector in the middle of your house but he thought por portraits are boring wouldn't it be interesting if they moved and I remember I started saying oh, wow. it's like I woke up this is gonna be way better when it's digital and, mm -hmm. and you don't have He's jumping around, you know, like, like when I made the, the way loan, it's just, he's just sitting there. So, right. And I'm not, this isn't a movie. This is a piece of art that sits on a wall and, and, and it, it's a, it, it doesn't have to be jumping around. It can be very smooth. Oh yeah. 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 That's it's how, like yeah. Laying off or, you know, but most of the time it's just them sitting there and, you know, kind of breathing and, and right. it, it's, but yes, I've been, I'm like you, I've been, I've been ready for this for a long fucking time. So I guess I should maybe try and get in on it. Okay, so like you remind me of people because you know it's the same thing with him. Um, of who? Well, first, first, the, the people, the guy that you know oh, sold. Oh, one right, movie. right, right. So, uh, but no, but the weird thing about him is, you know, the the weird story that came out is this guy's. You know, nobody's ever heard of this fucker. You know, right. blah blah blah. Comes out of nowhere. You know, um, I, I, he made a little digital piece and put it online every day for ten years or whatever right. how long it was. Um, but but that's not true because the, the, also the weird thing about this space is is, is you, you actually get to be your authentic, you know, your credibility is, is, is a different me me metric. So, right. you know, he, he, he would, okay. If you went to the art world and said, who is this guy? They're like, we have no idea, but, right. it, but, but in real life, you know, he didn't do stuff for tool, but he did stuff for Lady Gaga or, you know what I mean? He, right. He's doing high profile things. So like the average person would think, Oh my God, he does stuff for tool. Fuck. Right. That is shit, man. I remember seeing that. I was blown away. You know, you see what I mean? Right. So it, it's, it, it, it's, so everybody gets to come in with their, their, their authentic credibility. So right, he right. was super credible. He right. was a very accomplished, uh, digital artist. Oh yeah. And I was following him. I was following him before that whole thing. There you go. Yeah. So I think it's the same thing with you. It's like where you, you will just shine in that space. But the great part is, is yes, you get the you get the first hit, and and then and then and everything that resells after that, you keep getting a hit, and it's weird as shit. I mean, yesterday <laughs> after, we just sat there, you know, and it was super annoying, but you know, the computer's going bing, bing, bing all day, but every time it bings, you're making money, you know. Wow, wow. So, but because you know, it's a weird thing because people like all. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you, sometimes I, I'm sure you sold stuff and it goes out there and it's just like, and it has its own life and it's not yours anymore. Right. And uh, it's suddenly like, Oh, one went for three and a half million dollars. Ron, you must be really rich. You know, it's like, I, I sold it for $40,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then I paid my rent. So, no, I'm not fucking rich. Right. <laughs> that collector is. Exactly. Now every time you get a taste of it. So it's it, now now you can feel better about the stuff changing hands and changing hands and going up and up in value. And you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're invested in it. You know, like even with the toy thing, again, my son just says, look, why don't you just flip toys? Why Why do you make them? <laughs> You have to put all the expense to make them, and then all the other kids make all the money because they buy and they flip it for more money. Right, right. But now it's, I get to stay in the deal. Now you will get to stay in the deal. Wow. Yeah. You make it. And again, I'm, I'm I'm talking like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. You're making it sound pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate when I do that. <laughs> but I would say definitely, uh, you know, don't don't be very careful. Um, uh, I think that the. I think already that, you know, these people just do a turnaround or whatever. And, you know, everybody rushed the market. Right. And so, like, a lot of people did really good really quick because everybody's excited about this new market. But, uh, you know, somebody like you should just don't don't take a dump on this market. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Sure that what you put out is 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 you the best. I mean, like, you're just oh, I fucking love this. If, if this is the only thing I ever made in my life, this is all I was known for. I could die a happy man. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's, yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It. It's like that's what it was. Yeah. That's what all that stuff was at that time I made. And it's like, you know, 2000, 2004, I finally put this DVD out of animations. And it was like, that was, that was all I was into. I was so into it. And I, lo- and I still think they're really cool animations. Yeah. Like I still stand behind them. And, um, it was so hard to put that whole, cause I did the mute, uh, not, not music. It's weird. I did audio. I did everything all by myself. And, um, it was so exhausting that I that I went into paint oil painting after that because it was like I can't sit at a computer anymore. That was that took too much out of me, and so I'm like I just got to get back into something tactile. And I went to painting, and then I oh. never went back. So it's like I have these just sitting there, and I, they never got their due, really. You know? Right, but I mean, I think that you know the gold rush part is over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Now it's going to be the legit artist, you know, exploiting the medium. Not exploiting the phenomenon. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Wow. But yeah, but, I would be careful. Don't put out too many. And uh, and uh, and uh, and like even with mine, I didn't. I try to keep the prices reasonable because you know I I, I try to build in that that there'll be an aftermarket, and there's already been a huge aftermarket. So right, that's what keeps you alive. Is is if you know some other of my friends put out stuff and. And and then now it's already going for less money, like a week later, and you never want that to happen. So that's right, the thing. That's right. Right. But as long as your stuff keeps, you know, creeping up in value, you know, if it's a storage for value, you know, and and I mean, I know this is not what artists think about and stuff, but uh, you kind of have to think about it for you a minute. You have to if you yeah, want to make a it, living. It keeps rolling and you know coming up in value, and it, because basically, in a weird way, what, what we're making is our own monetary system. So the, the, there's the the Bitcoin and the Ethereum and everything. But there's this is a subdivision of that, so it's kind of like, well, if if I have fifty cents, I can uh, buy fifty cents, I can buy a stamp. But if, if I if I bought a stamp, you know, that had Elvis on it, it would have more value than if I had bought a stamp with, um, I don't know, a toadstool on it. Right, right, right. So so we're we're a way to add value, you know, to to so so and and it, and you know we as we just talked about earlier is is a lot of what the art world has been is 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 a a, a a system to store value right and it's a controlled system so if you buy a blue chip artist you are you're not going to lose you're not going right. to lose your money. You know what right. i mean so yeah, yeah. If, you buy, if you buy an nft by you know a blue chip artist it's 
it's going to retain its value and it's going to be a way for you to do global commerce, you know, right. It's gonna be a, and it's going to be a chip that goes, well, even, even if you just sell your stuff and um, say, fuck it, I'm not going to cash out um, and just keep the Bitcoin. But by, by this time, Next year, the Bitcoin will be doubled. So whatever you you just doubled whatever you made. You right, know? right, yeah. And, and every time the, the guys are reselling it, you're getting another hit. So it's crazy. It's and, crazy. And Sony, Sony's making these big, beautiful TVs to show this because already, wow. you know, everybody's nobody. No people, heavy fuckers are getting into the shit. I mean, it's 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 going to be huge. And uh, but um, yes, every, even like with me, it's like I don't know. I, I wish you, I'm in my studio now. I, I have a couple hundred paintings, you know, right. Of, <laughs> right. That, you know, I've been collecting art since, you know, I think first, you know, since Keith Haring days or whatever, wow. but you know, I, I, I'm a party guy, so I throw a lot of parties, but I have very little wall space. I mean, matter of fact, since I got into the toy thing, I built hundreds and hundreds of shelves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but it was always a big thing with me, even like in college, you know, with Frank Kozak, we get like those cats from Austin. We would, we would put all the art on the walls and have parties and, you know, oh, it's, cool. it's, it's fun to show off your collection at your right. party. Right. You know what? I'm not, I'm not even a really serious collector, but, uh, you know, now think of a serious collector. It's like, you want to show off your stuff at, at a party, oh, but for you sure. know what? You can only show off a very small part of your collection, Right. you know, and, 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 you know, you want people to be impressed with you, you know, and if you, if you come in and, and uh, I don't know, maybe you, you put out what who you think of the hot artist is, and people go, yeah, I don't really, I never liked him. I never saw, you know, and it's like, well, who do you like? Well, I, you know, I like so and so. It's like, oh fuck, I have so and so, but you're not going to run, you know, to the storage and get that right. Roll with <laughs> whatever you put up. Um, but now, now you can, you can, you got these giant screen TVs, and you can, uh, you know, if, if people, if everybody starts charting about, oh, look at Damien Hurst, he's the greatest thing ever. It's like then you can just switch on your Damien Hurst. Right. You yeah. Know? Or like yeah. Uh, like the way you do your uh, music at your parties, or if you, you know, if you don't hire a DJ, or you know, you could. A lot of people put together a playlist for the night. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's it's you know it's nice if you can you know if everybody goes, but you're the new Jim White. It's like, oh, I love that stuff, and you know, and then you can just like go over and put it on. Right. Right. And now art can be like that too. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's just it's so weird to see people talking I about this. Dude, I I don't want. You know, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like I, you know, when I was, it, I, like I ask guys in Miami, why don't you buy art? It's like, because nobody can see it. Wow. That's yeah. why I buy fancy cars because I can drive around. Because he's cool. Right. <laughs> you know, but you can actually take your collection with you around on your phone, and you know, you get, you know, yeah, bragging rights. So yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah, wow. yeah. No, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, uh you know. Yeah, I, I appreciate talking about. It. I know a lot of people. The one thing that keeps coming up too is that it's so bad for the environment, and it's like everybody's. You well, know, no one's talked. It's not exactly true, though. It, it, it well, does no. use up electricity, but they've already uh, they already have programs that'll be out this summer that'll, that'll solve that problem. Right, right. Plus, everyone's on YouTube and Facebook, and nobody's talking about them servers. You know what I mean? You know, thankfully, nobody. You know complains about me because I, I i fly all over the world all the time yeah you know? yeah it's it's kind of i went from literally being homeless having probably a, 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 a negative carbon footprint to being a complete asshole <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i i'm trying to rationalize it's like well that plane's going that plane's going to china with me or without me right you know? right yeah 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 so, I mean, nothing's going to change but you know it, it's a, something that you have to struggle with and i'm, I'm glad that 
you know, I'm glad we're talking about it. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad people are actively trying to solve the problem. Right. Totally. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it's no, just like I, there's, there's so much, I mean, anyone that, especially in America, anyone yeah. that just exists in America, it's like, come on now. It's it's like, don't, don't, don't throw stones really. Like I said, well, you know, there's, give there's us, give us a year to solve the problems that are already there. And then we'll look at it and see is, would, would it be, uh, would have, would it be, would have less imp- impact for me to make a big oil painting and, and, and drive it to Indiana, put it on a wall there, or would it be easier for me to create right. it and them just grab it online? That's true. That's a good point. Well, Hello? shit. Yeah. Are you there? Can you hear me? Sorry, I, I forgot to turn off my notifications. Oh, that's okay. I lost you for a second, but I got you back. So, well, th- um, I, I I don't want to keep you any longer. This has been an awesome interview, man. Uh, really insightful and interesting, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, sorry, talk- I forgot to turn on my phone. I, I, oh, cutting even, out the phone ring. No, don't even worry about it, man. Um, yeah, I really appreciate yeah, it. I yeah, definitely look into. You know, it sounds like you've already created. I know. It's like I have the work there already. So it's kind of like I feel like I should do it. And I think that, that, you know, people appreciate people that, you know, want to be in this space because they, 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 they've they already adapted their work to it, you know, and not and they're not just trying to cash in, you know. Right, right. Themselves. Yeah. It's like I was I was early. I was too early. You know, my timing was off. And it's like so. Yeah, you know, that's, that's something I teach my kids. It's like you, you never want to be first. Yeah. Timing is everything. Yeah, I mean, you want to be I've missed because the first adapters of stuff um, usually lose, right? Because, yeah, know, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna find every problem with it and they're gonna solve <laughs> it, and then somebody else just gets takes the solved problem. It's like you don't want to be the guy that pays the road; you want to be the guy that you know drives a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's so true. Timing is so important. It's like I've I've been late and I've been early, and it's like. You know, I'm I'm, I'm well, ready to be. Good time now because now now the now the more serious people are coming in and 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 the people are giving it a little more thought and time and, and aren't the, the bandwagons have already had their moment now it's now right it's serious people so right cool well shit well uh, uh yeah let's... I've always been a huge admirer of yours and I uh, I don't know I, I really thought you didn't like me because I tried to crash your thing and I felt are you serious <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad. I felt bad because I was telling all those other people, like, you can't watch, and you were shooting video. And I felt bad because Uh I was like, oh, shit, I hope Ron didn't think I met him. Nobody told me nothing. You know, I just. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was that. That was that whole show. Something for, you know, you know, just I usually shoot little clips of things to put on my. uh, Oh, no, no. I wasn't going to steal the whole thing and, you know. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You, I, like I said, you're you're good with me for whatever you want to do. I, I, it's funny because we both felt bad, and it's like <laughs> it, it was, it was, it did, it was really meaningless, and and I was more concerned that I had offended you, and I was like, no, I didn't mean you. I meant these other oh, guys. Okay. But it was, uh, man, it's amazing to watch you paint. It's oh, a, thanks. Yeah, I, I've seen a Soriami paint. And, uh, I've, I've got to oh, see yeah. the major dudes paint. So. Wow! Yeah. Oh, he's uh, you know, he's another painter. He's just like, but damn, that's great. Oh, well, I guess I, it's like being a guitar player and watching Slash. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really, a huge. Yeah. I love your technique and 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 just the way you paint too. So just 
you know, even on a technical level, I just, I got so much respect for you. Uh, aside from all the other crazy shit that you did, all the amazing stuff you've done, I really have so much respect for you as a painter because you're, you're a great painter just as a technician, you know, your shit's amazing. So I fully, uh, I just, I don't know. I just think you're kind of amazing. So, um, yeah. So thanks for being on the show and I ain't going to be a painter anymore. I'm going to be an NFT artist now. <laughs> yeah. You better get on, uh, <laughs> get on, get on a 3d program. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, what, what we do at the end of the podcast is say goodbye to the audience. So say goodbye to everybody. Oh yeah. Bye everybody. I can't believe you're still here, man. Get a life. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye everybody. All right.